you can automate so much about your um, interactions throughout the DAO space. Um, right now, it's probably pretty hard to know where to begin with all of that. Um, but it's I, I can see a future where when people are setting up a company, uh, it's more like setting up you know a new iPad where it's like I want this app, I want this app, I want this app, um, and they can just you know get off and running. What would the world look like if decisions were made by the people for the people? Dow or Never is here to break down how DAOs are disrupting traditional power structures and transforming the way we interact. If you're ready, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to Dow or Never. This is a show to help you learn about the rapidly changing world of DAOs. And today I'm here with Jeffrey Arone and Isaac Patka, co-founders of Logos DAO, the DAO of DAOs, helping people discover, connect, and join DAOs that align with their passions. Jeffrey is an established blockchain and internet investor, advisor, and executive, and Isaac Patka is a contributor to many DAOs throughout the ecosystem. This week in DAOs, we're talking about the conflict between DAOs and investors, radically transparent payroll systems, and a film about DAOs. Now, over to Jeffrey to talk about what's going on this week in DAOs. Thanks, Lisa. So one of the things I wanted to start with right away um, that Isaac and I were just talking about is the growth and activity in DAOs. Um, there was Snapshot Labs post on Twitter that it's a 10-part tweet, so I'm not going to go through all of it right now, but I encourage people to take a look at it. It's also in our newsletter. So in the research, they they wrote up that there was an 8.8x increase in the number of DAOs, which in and of itself was a pretty impressive number. This is over the last year. But what was also cool is that there was also very similar an 8.5x increase in the number of proposals, as well as the number of votes. So yeah, Isaac, what did you find compelling about that? I think the activity growth is surprising, actually, because what I have found when speaking to a lot of people that are joining DAOs recently is that they don't know where to start with regards to making proposals and voting on things, and they just feel intimidated by that. But it, but it seems like even though that process is intimidating, there's a lot of people that are finding their way through it. So they're figuring out how to go to the forums, how to make the um, proposals, how to vote. Um, and the fact that all of this activity is showing that it's even a much wider group of addresses that's doing this activity as well. Um, is promising to me that even with the UX challenges of DAOs, um, they've grown so much uh, thanks to some inflection points like when the Constitution DAO kicked off, uh, which was a noble failed experiment, in my opinion. It led to, at the time, I remember we were watching the live stream as a DAO of the auction for the Constitution, and we were thinking like, this is both an amazing and a terrifying moment for DAOs. And now we can actually see in the data that that moment that we were watching that, we were thought like, okay, now everybody's at least going to know what a DAO is. That really is the moment that uh, in the graph when things started to take off. I think uh, that's such a great example. And also the um, there are implications outside of DAOs directly. I know that when Sotheby's did that, the pre-auction estimates for that constitution were around $15 million. 20 would have been, um, you know, a home run for them. And as everyone knows that was watching, it went over $40 million. So what was funny about that is Sotheby's was very reticent to even work with a DAO. It was such a new concept to them. Yet once the price of the Constitution DAO broke over $40 million, they were pretty excited about embracing DAOs. 
Another thing you brought up, Isaac, was like kind of the participation. And this is honestly where Logos as well come, can come in and make it easier for people to participate in these DAOs. I'm going to throw out a couple of stats. I don't want to like just recite charts here, but there were a few key stats that really grabbed my attention. And one of them is that 65% of all the proposals in DAOs are from just basically 10% of the DAOs. That's, you can look at that as in a variety of different ways, but clearly there are a lot of DAOs that are stagnant and, and definitely need to find a way to engage their users. The other thing though that struck me is that in the DAOs with proposals, um, half the people have voted just once. Now, having said that, I like to look at that as a glass half full, like DAOs are such a new concept that I look at it as, you know, half the users have voted more than once. So yeah, there's clearly a lot of work to be done here in terms of engaging users and figuring out how they want to participate. I think there's more to look at than just proposals and voting for DAOs, though, because I think it would be a pretty inefficient system if, for example, every time you wanted to get paid by a DAO, it actually had to go up to a proposal to a vote. I think that if DAOs move in a bit more of a set it and forget it direction, that would be better. Um, So proposal velocity might not necessarily mean like a DAO is stagnant if there's not a lot of proposals every month. It could, I think, in the future, maybe mean that a DAO has really dialed stuff in. Like we're seeing more of these um, these payroll tools, which allow DAOs to set and forget their payroll and only make proposals when things change. It really is no fun to go through if you're a contributor in 11 DAOs to go through and say, I did $1,000 worth of work for this DAO this month. I did $250 worth of work for this DAO this month. There's this tool that somebody showed me today called LlamaPay, where you can actually look at the Yearn DAO and you can just see the payroll down to like 10 thousandths of a cent getting streamed every millisecond to the people in that DAO. Those people aren't actually making proposals for their payroll. They just made one proposal to set up the payroll software and now that money gets streamed. Perhaps we don't need um, 10 thousandths of a cent precision on payroll, but it does create a cool visual when you can just see the money coming in millisecond by millisecond. Yeah, it's funny. That does kind of look like the U.S. debt clock, but point taken. That is really just an amazing thing. I also, I mean, you brought up something very interesting. There are things that are important that need to be, you know, put to a vote, but then there's a lot of, depending on your DAO design, you can make this either like a total nuisance or something that's effective. I don't, if I'm a contributor to a DAO, I don't necessarily want to vote on whether or not we should spend $49 for web services and wait three days for the proposal to pass. And there are also, again, there are different types of DAOs. We, on Logos, one of the DAOs that we helped launch was the Whiskey DAO. And it's a buy and hold strategy. So it's not like every week we have to say, hey, what are we going to do with the barrels this week? You age barrels, they go up in value. So there's not a lot of proposals there, but there's a lot of interest in following news and and progress in in the markets. Exactly. And one of the things that we're working on adding is just this activity tracker for DAOs, which takes into consideration much more than just proposals. It's like there's, I kind of think a proposal is really only needed when something needs to change within a DAO. So you can kind of see in throughout periods of time, maybe a DAO is in a period of rapid evolution, and then it's, uh, it's stagnant for a period. One DAO that we saw a lot of really interesting activity in was the Merit Circle DAO. Uh, I, I saw this as a thread on Twitter from Tim Connors uh, the other day, and it looks like a DAO actually voted to invalidate a SAFT for another DAO that had invested in them. So 
one DAO, uh, YGG, which is like a gaming guild DAO, um, invested in something called Merit Circle through a SAFT agreement, which is a simple agreement for future tokens. So they were due at some point over some vesting schedule, some tokens in return for a seed investment they made into this other DAO. But so that some of the members of Merit Circle decided that all on their own, that they thought that YGG wasn't adding enough value as as an investor in addition to their monetary investment and voted to invalidate their SAFT, which not a lawyer, but sounds very not legal to me. So the second that this proposal went up and passed, another group of members in the DAO uh, submitted another proposal that said, hey, guys, this seems kind of illegal and bad for our reputation. So can we at least propose to buy them out at some sort of maybe fair valuation? if we actually don't want them in the DAO. But to me, this seems crazy. I didn't even know you could kick your investors out. Um, can you, Jeffrey? Yeah, that doesn't, I'm not a lawyer, so don't take this as legal guidance. But no, it sounded very illegal to me. I mean, like imagine an extreme where you bought a stock in a public market and then all of a sudden they didn't like you and they took back your stock. So yeah, that it sounds wrong. It also raises a more serious issue, which is how you can pre- one can prevent these things from happening. It's very clearly something that, uh, it's funny, when I first read it, I was like, yeah, screw them. They probably weren't even a good member of the DAO. And that's fine. But when it comes to actually exercising a legal contract for a right to invest, that that raises a whole bunch of other problems and can be pretty reckless. So now, having said all that, Logos is going to be putting out a short series of podcasts, actually part of this podcast on just legal considerations in the DAO space. So we're going to have, as one of our guest speakers, someone, uh, Todd Williams from Core Cronin, come in and share some uh, key insights on legal things you should think about when establishing your DAO. That'll be very useful. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how this plays out between Merit Circle and, and YGG. And if we're going to see other cases where a DAO votes to do something that is in breach of a contract and maybe in one jurisdiction, but maybe not in another. And then who, who do you respect? Um, for like we talked about the whiskey pioneers, which is a DAO that we created just to invest in barrels of bourbon that are sitting in an aging facility. If the DAO voted to sell a barrel of whiskey to a high school, like we would not be able to carry out that, uh, and execute that decision, right? Like we can only sell whiskey to authorized recipients, maybe other warehouses. So, and that's clear in our operating agreement, which is like the LLC, which is wrapped around the DAO doesn't have to do illegal things if the DAO asks them to do. Not that they have asked, but we have thought of that provision. What about other DAOs that maybe don't have a legal entity? What happens when you're a multi-sig holder on a DAO and like just, and you're responsible for executing something that you think is immoral? Um, I'm curious if we'll see more of those things where, and if people have any way to quit and abstain, or if they're actually obligated to carry out these types of proposals. In other down news, we saw the release of a fundraising campaign on Syndicate for the Dow Palace film. So people might remember that we're sponsoring and organizing this residency in a in a castle in Germany for the first couple of weeks of July is going to bring together a lot of builders of DAO frameworks and people that build co-ops and lawyers and economists and politicians and all sorts of thought leaders coming together to work on DAOs. And the crew at Structure Films has released a fundraising campaign to actually create a DAO to film the DAO Palace event. So it's live on the Syndicate platform right now. 
and we're really excited to see them uh, to see them raise some funds to be able to record this moment in history. And I think it's very appropriate for a DAO to be crowdfunding a DAO to film a DAO event because DAO recursion is you know potentially fun. So highly encourage people if they're interested in seeing a film about the current state of DAOs and the thought leaders in the space to check out the DAO Palace film on Twitter and potentially donate on the on the campaign. Cool. That sounds pretty interesting. Hey, Isaac, you mentioned earlier Lama Pay. I don't know if there's a, a little bit more that you wanted to add, but I found that one seriously um, fascinating because this kind of ties into the whole building out the all-around infrastructure for your DAO using different tools. Like, you know, we I know we've mentioned Gnosis Safe, which is, you know, the place where you kind of put your assets for a DAO. Lama Pay on their site, it's Automate Recurring Salary Payments in Crypto. And yeah, I, I'd like to get your thoughts a little bit more on specifically how it works, how a DAO would implement this, and um, if you know of anyone that's using it. Sure. You mentioned Gnosis. I mean, right on the Lama Pay homepage says use with Gnosis safe. So that speaks to the modularity of the safe and the modularity of tools like Lama Pay, where let's imagine that you do have a DAO treasury, you raise some money as a DAO, and you want to set up a payroll stream for your members. And you agree that say, okay, these five core team members are each going to get $1,000 a month streamed to them. So directly within the Gnosis safe, you don't have to like move funds from one place to another. You can just add a payroll app onto your bank treasury. So it's almost like adding an app to your phone in, but like for company payroll in, in a completely like permissionless and often free to use way. Um, so for me, I think that a, a, a core DAO stack that, that could take the role of a lot of things that companies use right now is, uh, you have a bank account. Now you have a Gnosis safe. Um, you use, Gusto for payroll. Maybe now you use Llama Pay to stream to stream payroll. You perhaps uh, like we like use um, Gusto for health insurance. Maybe instead you just stream people income and then they sign up with Opolis so that they can get benefits from the work co-op. Um, and you can see how you can just start to piece together like two, three, four of these building blocks, and you suddenly have something that functions kind of like a company, but is completely modular. Where if, for example, you wanted to use something different than Llama Pay, um, it would just be as simple as like adding a different app to to your Gnosis safe um, to do payroll in a different way. Like uh, Raid Guild uses an app called Smart Invoicing. So if you're a DAO that does work for another uh, for another guild, like you're a service DAO that does work for another DAO, perhaps you can just add a Smart Invoicing app onto onto your treasury as well, where when the DAO does work and gets paid and there's no arbitration or anything, um, funds automatically come in, get distributed to people, those funds go to their uh, to their LLCs, and then everybody gets their paychecks. Like you can automate so much about your um, interaction throughout the DAO space. Um, right now, it's probably pretty hard to know where to begin with all of that. Um, but it's I, I can see a future where when people are setting up a company, uh, it's more like setting up you know a new iPad where it's like I want this app, I want this app, I want this app, um, and they can just you know get off and running. So I'm on their their like one of their demo pages, and it's just showing all of these addresses and money streaming out. It maybe this is raising a little bit more of a philosophical question, but when I look at it for names, it has an ETH address, and obviously it shows the ETH address next to that. If I'm running an organization. With transparency, it's it's hard to look at this and know exactly who those numbers are going to. 
right? And I, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Has that become an issue? Because on the one hand, it's kind of like anti-crypto and the philosophically speaking, it's one might not want their personal details out there, but it doesn't capture like, what if I am spending $10,000 a month for like domain hosting and no one knows like, right? So how have people talked about that? All of the decisions to set up these streams were voted on by the DAO. So even if maybe the address that the person is using to receive their payroll is semi-anonymous, at some point, somebody had to justify this money should go to my wallet over here. And perhaps that was not a public uh, proposal where like, I can see that somebody called brainychad.eth apparently is receiving $200,000 a month from this DAO. I don't know if this is real data. Um, we should follow up and try to find out who Brainy Chad is. This is not real data. <laughs> You're sure this is, so, okay, this is not real data. But it's possible uh, that you could set up a stream of $200,000 a month to BrainyChad.eth, and BrainyChad.eth decided to have his name publicly associated with that stream. But then there's all of these other ones like that you saw, that you pointed out, that uh, that are just going to random addresses. And over time data on the blockchain will become less and less anonymous. I mean, a lot of this data now you could plug it into a tool like breadcrumbs or something and figure out like, okay, well, this this wallet interacted with these five wallets. And I, I can guess that this is probably this person. And so a lot of this data is maybe opaque, but still, but, uh, but not anonymous. So I don't know how much of a problem it is, especially considering that like all of these streams had to be set up by the DAO in the first place. And also just, you know, to hit on the anonymous term, it's not, it should never be a presumption that someone could automatically go back and say, oh, this is Isaac's address, right? The, the, the trail can certainly be reconstructed. Um, you know, I like to use the term authenticated anonymous. So you can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that this address transacted with this address and look at the, the history and the, um, you know, the, transaction path and on Etherscan or any block explorer. But unless your name or your ENS name is is out there and associated with an address, um, it's someone can't just go out and find out who exactly it is. I think this might be real data. Wow. Well, do you know if this YChat is hiring just <laughs> 200k a month? That's that's nothing to sneeze at. Like you can look at the actual uh, Etherscan logs and see that from the Disperse app that there are like pretty large sums of dye going out to people. Um, I, I think this might actually be the urine payroll. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of Dow or Never. Make sure to subscribe at logos.xyz slash podcast and follow us on Twitter at 0xlogos so you never miss out on any of the latest happenings in the Dow world. It's Dow or Never. Never.